Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, updating the fantasy football rankings as you get ready for your draft, some injuries, some news, some late round flyers. But first, if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK dollars, here's how you do so. First of all, smash the like button for the episode, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and tell me what pick would be the first time you would consider drafting Ezekiel Elliott today, as we still don't know what his status is going to be as of this recording for the 2019 fantasy football season. Tony Romo says it's a coin flip, 50-50 for week one. We'll see if Tony Romo knows what he's talking about. I guess either way he can claim he was right, but you know that's the way it's going to go. How early would you feel comfortable drafting Ezekiel Elliott? We'll talk to Jake Seeley from The Athletic about that in just a few seconds. The other way to do it is subscribe, rate, and review five stars, DraftKings handle, something nice about the show, the Pat Mayo Experience, audio podcast let's jam up those numbers people also follow me on instagram at the pme uh give a heart to a football photo that's up there leave your DraftKings handle and you are in the draw for 20 dk dollars winners announced every monday on monday's show let's get into it like i mentioned from the athletic at all in kid on twitter jake seeley is on the line we got an hour jake and we got a lot to talk about so let's jump into it then i don't don't need to waste any time except for of course as always band kickers yeah, band kickers. Always got a band kickers. All right. The first thing is I want to talk about some of these names. If people are doing drafts this weekend, where to take these guys? The first one is Ezekiel Elliott. I still have him at number four in my rankings. If it was this weekend, I would still take him at number four. because I do think that he ends up playing in week one as of right now. If we wait a week and he's still holding out, then I'm going to have some problems here. He's he's down LBs in Mexico, though. Oh, because he's in the best shape of his life, just like everybody else in the preseason, because everybody always is. Kidding aside, that should always be a testament when you hear bad reports about players, then that should tell you because everybody's always in the best shape and looking the best and everything like that. But I'm with you. I've been Ezekiel this entire time. Actually, I would even still take him third. I I have a little bit more confidence in him over Kamara, but if you want to take Kamara, I have no problem with that. We talked about it, I think, on your last show, is the fact that you want to mitigate the risk and take him fourth. And I was laughing because I've been saying the exact same thing as you. If it's not next week, I'm saying next week after the third week of preseason games. So that Monday or Tuesday after the third week is done and he still hasn't signed, still hasn't shown up, that's when I'll move him back. But I'm with you. I still think something gets worked out. I think this is Michael Strahan from the end of his career with the Giants. It wasn't a contract situation with him, but he just didn't want to play in the preseason. He didn't want to do OTAs and training camp and all that type of stuff. And Zeke's not at that point of his career, but he's at the point of we don't need to see him there. We don't need to see him on the field. If anything, you know how I feel. I think you feel the same way. This just makes me feel better because I know he's going to be healthy for week one. I don't have to worry about him getting hurt. 
Yeah, I, I'm exactly on the same page. The only reason that I bumped him down to number four and all of my rankings are updated on DKPlaybook.com right now. You can check out my Twitter feed, my Facebook feed, find the quick links up there. And then if you click on the article, all the links are at the very top. Just navigate around if you want to. It's one good thing about having a, a very, very young child, Jake, is that I'm up very early in the morning. So I have time to just kind of <laughs> go through these. I'm trying not to update them as much because every time I look at them, I'm like, well, I can move that guy up two spots. I can move this guy up one spot. And I just don't want to get in the habit of doing that. But as it stands, right now i don't think there's a big enough gap between the top four running backs i think that there is a very clear top four uh and elliot is a part of that but if there is the risk factor of him not playing on the table i think that makes him number four so to win the draw this week if i was to enter the answer for me would be number four overall yeah and the answer for me would be number three and i don't have a problem with everything you just said and i'm not quite there with you like at a comparison level if it was 10 out of 10 being the max obviously because 10 is the highest kid to puppy ratio i would say have a three out of 10 of understanding what you're going through but at least understand the sleep because i think at most i've probably hit four maybe five hours in a row maybe Uh, see the move for me was buying a sleep training program for my child it really ended up working out if there's sleep training like a subliminal message tape recorder or something no it's just like wait when to put them down for naps how to structure the bedroom that it's like completely dark so they end up sleeping through the night it actually works so that's pretty fantastic if there's a thing for dogs maybe you need to get into that next guy Melvin Gordon has already talked about that he's willing to sit out games. When do you feel comfortable drafting Melvin Gordon? I say around the sixth round. I actually, in my most recent updated rankings, I have him sandwiched between your favorite player in the world and Mark Ingram at 23 and Sonny Michelle at 25. Uh, I actually, and I might even be moving Sonny Michelle up. We'll probably even talk about him today. But the fact is around round six is where I'm willing to take that risk of look. Melvin Gordon has top five running back potential if he gets on the field, even if you have to wait the uh, half of the season six games so it's kind of trying to bake in that risk of all right where can i take him where i'm not sabotaging my draft but where can i still take him to get that upside if maybe he even holds out if he plays week one obviously that doesn't matter but if it's only a few games if it's four games and something gets worked out it's still a value if it's the full 10 and we don't see him till week 11 actually i don't know if they're but no they're by is week 12 so it'll be week 10 uh, if it's after week 10 for week 11 then you know obviously that's hurt you but you'd still get him for the playoff run but like I said, we round six is about where I'm starting to look at it because the running backs in that range. Now you're starting to talk about flex RB threes, and that's where I'll consider taking them. So I think the biggest problem that people aren't factoring into the situation because everyone's like, oh, Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler. And I agree. Austin Eckler is the guy over Justin Jackson that you want to own. Both are probably draftable if Melvin Gordon isn't there. But what you hit on, Melvin Gordon is eventually going to be back unless he gets right. He's not sitting out the entire year. So if you spend too much draft capital on Austin Eckler, eventually he's not going to be a starting running back anymore. And you're kind of screwed. It's sort of like, I mean, we didn't see this coming with Gurley last year, but by the time we got to the fantasy playoffs, Gurley cost people a lot of leagues. He's the one who got them there, obviously, but we don't know how long this holdout's going to go. Like, if you spent a sixth round pick on Austin Eckler, which some people are doing, and it lasts two weeks, well, that's a completely wasted pick at that point. A hundred percent. And that's, you know, to like another situation to this, it's the Nick Chubb scenario, which it's funny because two months ago, I was the one, you know, sitting there arguing for him to be a top 10 running back. And now all of a sudden, it's the opposite. People are like, oh, how is he not number six or number five? Because he's amazing. And I was like, it's the same reason I was trying to argue with you guys earlier is Kareem Hunt's still coming back. Now, Kareem Hunt's not going to take over. But if the, the Browns are in playoff contention, as great as Nick Chubb is, they're going to give some touches to Kareem Hunt to keep him healthy for the playoff run and for the stretch run at that point of the season. And that's your exact point on a different scenario. It's the exact opposite 
is in the lead guy is coming in. But either way, even if Melvin Gordon holds out all 10 weeks, it's still the final six weeks of your fantasy season, five weeks of your fantasy season where you're losing a potential lead running back. Now, Nick Chubb's value is not hit as hard as Eckler, but that's why I haven't been drafting Eckler to your point is I will happily draft Eckler, but not where he's going because you're, you're right. He's being drafted as almost an RB2 where who knows how long that's going to last. And then still, Justin Jackson is going to be a factor. Eckler is not getting Melvin Gordon's workload. AJ Green, we don't know when he's going to return. Let's say it's <laughs> week three. When do you feel comfortable drafting AJ Green? Uh, that's way too early for me. I don't even think it's week three because I think the report when you heard it was like, we hope to get him for the first half of the season. They did. They put the, the vague number of first half of the season on him, which makes me sound like week three is not even feasible. But if it was week three, I'd take him in the fourth round, maybe even third, depending on how my team's shaking up because really? he's still a top 10 wide receiver. And so you can survive. We talk about this on your show all the time. You bring it up all the time on your shows is the easiest time to make up for value is the first three or four weeks. That's where you find all these waiver options. This is where your bench depth usually still matters more so in the beginning of the season because there's players that haven't got hurt, haven't lost jobs and stuff like that. So it's easy in the first three or four weeks. So if it was only three, I'd take them in the fourth. I don't think that's the case. And for that reason, I'm not taking him till the eighth or the ninth round because I don't know if we only get him for half of a season. Yeah, see, that's where I'm with you. I mean, it could be as early as week three, but don't plan on that's probably like best case scenario at that point. You don't want to draft for best case scenario. Like you always mentioned when you always talk and come on the show and in your columns that you always say is you don't want to pay for the upside of everyone. You want to have that. You want to have that baked into where the pick is that they can overachieve the spot that they're in. And if you do take him in the third round, like end of the third round, early fourth, yes, he can still beat that if he's back by week three but you need him to be back by week three in order to beat that so you don't want to do it i have number 85 overall that's one spot behind marvin jones in the rankings who i actually bumped down because of potential injury concerns with him as well what what number is marvin jones he's 84 no no over oh i meant wide receiver i don't know i don't have numbers next to them oh okay because i was gonna say i I have i have marvin jones at wide receiver 36 i have aj green at 40 just for reference and by the way if you want the hashtag for it i put don't buy all the risk it's just a very long hashtag though Put it this way. I have it. Uh, Sammy Watkins, Dante Moncrief, Curtis Samuel, Marvin Jones, AJ Green, okay. Sean Jackson. I'm in the same range as you are. Okay, yeah. cool. So it's probably like 36, 37, I, I think. Anyway, if Somewhere, you want to yeah. count them, they can do that. Uh, next guy up, we got Antonio Brown. He's back at Raiders camp right now. Has this all gone a bit too far? And is he now a value? Uh, he was a value. Uh, arguably, he was a value a week ago when you weren't even having to pay first three rounds because everybody was scared that he might not play, period. And I understood that. Like I said, I wasn't moving him down in my projections because it's it's a disservice to everybody out there. You know the news. Like anytime we have players like this, like the Zeke situation, I haven't moved him. You haven't moved him. But you know the news going into your draft. We saw what happened last year with Le'Veon Bell. We Nobody in the industry moved him down that far, but we all understood there was a risk involved. So you have to understand if you want to take that, you want to take that. I never moved Antonio Brown because I don't want to move him down and then move him right back up. And this helmet issue just to me, we joked about it and made a you know point about how like he's just a diva of all divas and all that type of stuff. But at the same time, it kind of almost sounded like he was purposely trying to play this like, you know, I don't really want to be in the preseason too much. I'll show up for week three of the preseason. I've got enough time with this team. Blah, blah, blah. And we see him there. He's hopping along the sidelines, cheering. We saw him running routes and plays before the game, and it seems the feet are okay. So this whole helmet issue just sounds like more to do about it than anything. And as you just said, he is a value. So if he's still going later than mid-second round, he's a supreme value. I'm willing, and I think I think you and I talked about it, I'm willing to consider him on the turn of the first round still because I think he's going to 
at least be the lead or if not in the lead, the contention in the lead for targets this year? Uh, I have him at number 20 overall. The only adjustment that I made to him was bumping him down a tier. I had him on tier two at receiver. I moved Tyreek Hill one spot ahead of him and just bumped Antonio Brown to the best player of tier three. Because I do think that there is psychological risk with him, and this is just me projecting (laughs) on it, that if things start to go poorly in Oakland, I don't want to say that he gives up on the season, but we might not get peak Antonio Brown if they're like one in six after the first seven weeks, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. that, that I think that versus the other guys that he's around, like the actual talents. Like I still have him one spot ahead of Mike Evans. I bumped down Keenan Allen with the injury. I bumped down T.Y. Hilton because of the luck injury, just a spot and just have them all around that range. But I think that Antonio Brown possesses the most upside of it, but versus the Jujus, the Tyree Kills, the you know, Michael Thomases of the world, I think there's more risk with him just with the auxiliary stuff versus them a hundred percent you mean kind of like the other superstar that you played for the Raiders for a little bit of time and hadn't you know got tired of it really fast yeah I I could actually see that maybe he might even pull the walking off the field before the game is over (laughs) so it's one of those things it's like the Zeke thing where I think that Zeke is the number one overall pick if we know that he's playing and he's not going to hold out but I think that he's close enough to the other top three running backs that I'll just put him at number four the same case with Brown is I think that he is in the same mix as the Michael Thomases and the Jujus, though that tier of wide receiver, except he comes with a little bit more outside risk. So he's at the bottom of it. And that's certainly fair. And I I would say is looking at this, my tier, if you want to call it, would probably end with Mike Evans at number 10 from Michael Thomas to there. So if you want to put him behind all those guys, I'm certainly okay with it. I'm a little bit more involved with him just because I see the potential. It's kind of like, I'll compare it to Todd Gurley for a different reason. So Todd Gurley, I'll consider him in the second round around the same time as Antonio Brown, actually, because what we know about Todd Gurley, he can finish as the number one running back because he did so last year, even missing time, barely in front of Saquon Barkley, but he did. Same thing with Antonio Brown. We know he can finish as the number one wide receiver. So that's why I'm willing to gamble on it. If you don't want to, that's certainly fine. But with me, I'm looking at this tier, and I'm like, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, I don't think either of them can finish number one. Uh, Same thing with, as much as I love Juju Smith-Schuster, I still don't think he's going to be number one. So it just depends, again, how you want to make up your team. Uh, Andrew Luck is the last guy of these problematic players that we're talking about. I have him at number 80 overall in my rankings. I bumped him from tier one to tier two. He is now firmly in the mix with Baker, Cam, and Jameis as that second tier of quarterback, even at number 80. It's probably not where I'm going to take a quarterback. Like I've kind of made the decision that Jameis and Cam are the two guys that I'm going after. Or if I miss out on them, if someone reaches, I'm just taking Josh Allen in the last round. So I updated my projections and I put them to missing six games just because I was trying to find a balance. But look, that's just a guess that I wanted to make to bake in the risk to taking Andrew Luck is could it just be one or two? And he's right back in week three. Certainly it is the fact that he could miss the entire season again because we just went through this two years ago. That's certainly the case as well. So I kind of picked six as a good number. I was like, look, this is the risk I'm willing to associate. It's a, it's a game risk. I pick. You don't have to agree. But just taking out those six games, I'm way lower than you are. It's actually bumped them all the way down to behind the only startable quarterback that I would consider drafting in Nick Foles. He's now 28th at quarterback. Now, obviously, the upside is 10 times more than Foles and Mariota and Stafford, who are right in front of him. But just taking out six games, that's where it puts him. Obviously, the games he plays would be terrifically much, much, much better. But 
I put it there. I bumped down. T.Y. Hilton fell four spots, and my wide receiver, he's now down into the top end of the teens. Uh, if you look at Marlon Mack, fell back a little bit, not as much as Naheem Hines and the rest of the pass catchers because he's not that involved in the passing game. But it's the waterfall effect. You know, Ebron took a hit. Doyle took a hit. Like, everybody took a hit. And that's just what I'm projecting. I just That's where I'm comfortable taking the risk. But I would still probably take him before Garoppolo, right around Tom Brady. But that's, that's still only the 20th quarterback. Yeah, the big thing is, and almost to harken back to it's easy to fill the first few weeks, that if it's six weeks, I mean, that's not great. But if you get a healthy Andrew Luck for the back end of the season, he's still a top five quarterback. And if, right. there's, if there's any position you can patch together, it is just streaming quarterback <laughs> for the first few weeks. Then have Andrew Luck as a hammer coming in. You waste the roster spot. So my rankings now go Mahomes, Watson, Rogers, Tier 1, Mayfield, Cam, Jameis, Andrew Luck. Uh, that's Tier 2. And then it's into the rest of them. Yeah, and that's certainly fair. And the best one to do this is to continually get disrespect every single year. If you want to play the I'll draft Andrew Luck and a safe pick, you, Dak Prescott's the safest pick you could possibly find. Uh, I mean, you could even pair him up with someone. You, whoever your pick is of those guys, they're all basically free. If you wanted to make it Kirk Cousins, make it Kirk Cousins. I just, I'm just prone to Josh Allen because I like the fantasy upside that he has. He could be an absolute disaster, obviously. But I think no, that, but he has top I, five I, upside. Yeah, he really does have top like For everything that people project onto Kyler and Lamar Jackson, I think that Josh Allen is the more risky version of those guys, but he could potentially be the better version of those guys if things break right for him. It just, it does seem like things can break wrong for him much easier. (laughs) Right. Lesser talent around him as well, but he's the poor man's version of those two two quarterbacks. Yeah, and I, I like him better, to tell you the truth, and that's just where I'm going with it. Let's talk about Kyler Murray, though. Jump into it. There's Kyler Panic, Jake. He did not have a good preseason week two. Uh, I'm, I remain unchanged. I feel like you, know, you have your pro Kyler people, you have your anti Kyler people, and I'm just kind of in the middle. I think that he's a guy. If he falls to you, you take him. I think he's going to be fine. He has uh, potential top five upside. He should be right around you know that eight to QB 14, and we know there's not much separating those guys. We see where the upside comes in. Right now I have him behind Breeze, Wilson, Roethlisberger, Allen, Lamar Jackson. Uh, as a part of that tier three, then it's Kyler Murray. So he's like my QB 13, uh, which I mean, is not really leaning any one way or another. He's not a guy I'm going to end up with, put it that way, because I like Josh Allen more. Yeah, I see uh, last night's game. So two things. First of all, I put out the tweet last night. If you wanted to go get Kyler Murray in your draft, use last night's game to talk up your league mates. If you're drafting this weekend to poo poo all over him and then go get him at a value. Uh, the, I'm kind of with you on Kyler Murray is I've only ended up in, with him in one spot. It was the flex leagues. And it was an auction, and I threw him out at five bucks, as in that like kickoff, thinking the height, because the flex auction was two weeks ago now. And I said, like, hey, you know, I'm assuming he'll go for like eight or nine, and I don't want to pay that. I don't really want Kyler Murray anyway. But and then there was crickets, and I ended up with him five dollars, and I was happy. I was like, hey, I'll take him for five dollars, no problem. And now he's my only quarterback as of now. The biggest concern with last night is the offensive line. And I know we're talking about Kyler Murray, but this is why I was making the argument against David Johnson being the definitive number five. If you want to take him at number five, I don't have a problem with that. He has I, I number mean, one. I, I don't have him. I don't even have him at number five at running back. I have him at number seven at running back. That's what back. I meant. Yeah. No, I meant, I meant at running back. So, yeah, like some people don't. You're, you're kind of with me. I have James Conner and Le'Veon Bell in front of him. And it's because I'm bringing that all up to say, this is the risk I was talking about with the Arizona Cardinals is – 
it's not just the wide receivers of Christian Kirk coming back from injury, Larry Fitzgerald starting to age, and then Isabella missed time. And they had that big catch last night, but that was a big catch later on with the twos and threes. So Hakeem Butler is just awful. So you have a question mark at wide receiver, a question mark at tight end. You have David Johnson in the backfield. You have Kelly Murray. The biggest question mark is that offensive line still. It's still terrible. And so I think it's going to be a little bit more roller coaster than people expect. But to your point, I have him at number seven right now. If I took off one passing touchdown, one, because of what you're talking about for quarterbacks and how flat it is, he drops all the way to 12. I mean, that, that's all it takes. So I, if you want him at seven, I don't have a problem with that. I'm not taking him there. Uh, but it's just such a fine line between the quarterbacks in that range. Yeah, and just wait till he has a good week three in the preseason. All of a sudden, people are back on, and you got to draft <laughs> Kyler. So just temper some expectations with this and just actually try to seek out value. Don't overpay for a quarterback. Hey, if there's one thing we can really stress is just don't do that, and you're going to be absolutely fine. Kenyon Drake spotted in a walking booth. They hope to have him for week one. Reports out of practice now from the other teams. Kalen Blage is the guy that you want to have. He looks great. Uh, so I did adjust my rankings. I actually have Blage over uh, Kenyon Drake for the moment because a foot injury, not only could it limit him at the beginning of the season, that is something that could potentially be reoccurring. Uh, and I don't like that that much. The problem is I just don't like Blage all that much. And I don't like this team all that much. So he's not <laughs> super high. I still actually have Blage one spot behind Austin Eckler. <laughs> Uh, I have him two spots behind Eckler, one spot behind Murray, and five spots, four spots behind Drake. They're like neck and neck for me. I still have Drake with more touches. It's just the fact is, we've talked about this before, and I'm going to continue to say it. I've talked about it on my podcast, your show. Drake is the better NFL running back. Balaj has more ability. He has more athleticism. He has more natural talent. But if you watch him play, at least until this point, and this is something you can learn. He could be coached up, and that's why people draft. And I'm talking about NFL teams. That's why they draft Darrell Green Beckhams and Stephen Hills and Ramsey Bardens. It's because you can't teach athleticism and size. Well, you always try to teach him the game, and it doesn't always work out, and that's why I bring up those guys. But the thing with him is you have to bring up the fact that he doesn't know really how to play the position. And he hasn't shown good vision, hasn't shown good decision making, kind of has a stutter step and doesn't always make the quickest cuts when he should. And that's all worked into learning the position. And maybe he's been coached up in that. And maybe he will be an RB too. But I'm not ready to buy that without knowing that Kenyon Drake's going to miss significant time. If Kenyon Drake was out for half the season, I'd probably have Balaj higher or, you know, up towards the like probably Mar Miller range, which is a high-end flex, barely almost an RB2, not quite, just right outside of it. But as of today, I still think if it's only missing one or two games for Drake, I still think Drake is the better player for the team right now. But it's a, as you said, it's a messed up backfield. I don't have either one of them getting six rushing touchdowns. I don't even have either one of them getting five rushing touchdowns because of this offense. It's funny because of this injury, I was ending up with basically like no Drake as we were kind of doing some drafts. But now that he does have this injury and he has a deflated, deflated interest among people who were drafting because of it and people didn't like him to begin with, I actually find myself, I expect myself to end up with more Drake now just because he's going to come at a much better value. You love the Drake! Love the Drake! <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how we're doing this. All right. Marvin Jones has knee problems, and he actually stayed in Detroit to work out instead of going to some of these preseason camps to play. I just docked him a little bit on this, but it really reinforces that I do think that Kenny Galladay is the guy that you want there. I'm still not huge on TJ Hawkinson as a fantasy yeah. impact player, a real-life impact player. I can see that. But you have to remember, this is a team that, yeah, they did lose Golden Tate, but we saw that last year. It didn't really help Marvin Jones as someone who owned a lot of Marvin Jones. Could have used him to be a little bit better. But this is a very slow-paced team. They want to run the ball. I think that's where Hawkinson really comes into play because he's such an excellent blocker that Marv will be good, but not great. He's a flex play. 
No, he's certainly a, a flex play. I think Oxenden has some upside similar to when Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard went down for the Giants, and all of a sudden Evan Ingram broke out, and that was kind of the breaks the mold of tight ends as rookies, even as pass catcher heavy as Ingram is, start to make an impact. But they lost Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard. Like Kenny Galladay is still out there. So I think Hawkinson could have a little bit of impact, but like you said, I don't think it's going to be as much as people expect, despite he should be on the field quite a bit for how good of a blocker he is. He's probably the most complete tight end out of this past draft class. But to your point, like, like, let's also Danny Amendola. And I don't, I know you don't want to get excited about Danny Amendola, but they brought him in and they had already kind of talked him up. And I know everybody always gets talked up by their teams, but they already talked him up as like that safety blanket. And this was before the Marvin Jones injury. So I think Marvin Jones, if he's out, it would probably funnel a decent amount back to Danny Amendola. And then if you really want I mean, if you're talking, you're in your best balls and you're really deep leagues, and this isn't a crutch argument, this is if you need to go that far. If you're really digging and you're saying, all right, what could happen if Marvin Jones is out? I don't really want Amendola. Let me just take a flyer later. You know I'm going to bring up my boy from ODU, Travis Fulgham. He's buried on this depth chart. But if Marvin Jones is out, he fits the Marvin Jones role. Amendola is not going to step into that role. Great. That's just the super flyers of flyers. But similar to the Giants, when they lost all those players and they were down to, you know, the Roger Lewis's of the world, that's where that that comes into play. Uh, Keenan Allen is likely to miss the preseason with this ankle injury. That seems more precautionary to me to have him fully healthy by week one. But I did bump him down a spot and bump Mike Williams up a spot. And I'm certainly okay with that. I talked about, I was on the, the fantasy pros podcast. I said, I think see Mike Williams leading this team in touchdowns. And I think that it's probably, I would I bet money that I would probably he'd lead the team in touchdowns. And it has nothing to do with Keenan Allen's injury. It's just, I think that's where it's going to happen. And that's where it's going to go because of his ability. This does a little, little bit concern because Keenan Allen has de- dealt with so many injuries, but a lot of them have been freakish type of injuries, but it's still something that, makes you pause and i think moving him a spot each is fine uh, the biggest thing here is I, I gave him to you as we could just talk about real quick now but like the late round sleepers is i've been getting a lot of travis benjamin and more so best ball because i don't want to play him in seasonal but travis benjamin is just like the forgotten man of like hey he just goes out there and catches a 40 yard touchdown pass every fourth week but if keenan allen goes down mike williams has a back problem and that's why i've been drafting travis benjamin is because he's the next man up he's the third guy behind two injured plagued not not prone but injury plagued wide receivers see i heard that mike williams got a bacchiotomy and now he's all fine (laughs) and we'll see though curtis samuel apparently according to reports jake is quote impossible to cover in practice (laughs) i still like dj Moore better and i think this gives us more value on dj Moore from where he was going because it's going to bump samuel up and just by osmosis it bumps down dj Moore a little bit i'll take my shot with the first round pick I am 100% in agreement with you. I think the Curtis Samuel balloon has gotten inflated way too much, and I think he's way being overdrafted. Now we're into the hashtag buying all the risk because it doesn't even have anything to do with Curtis Samuel. Like, oh, he can't be uncovered and all the tough. Look, the Matt Harmon report about the reception perception, all that type of stuff. The truth is, it's still Cam Newton at quarterback. Is Cam Newton throwing for 4,200 yards and 35 touchdowns, 30-plus touchdowns is not something he normally does, period. Throwing for 4,000 yards is not something he does. So, if you look at it, we know Christian McCaffrey's getting over 100 targets. We know DJ Moore is still the number one. So unless he supplants DJ Moore as the number one, I don't see how you can draft him as a top 30 wide receiver, which is where the hype has now pushed him to in some drafts that I've been in. And I, that's just insane to me. Yeah, so for me, in the he's a part of tier six of my rankings. He go, It goes Jarvis Landry, Will Fuller, Corey Davis, Sterling Shepard, Sammy Watkins, Dante Moncrief. Uh, Curtis Samuel, Marvin Jones, AJ Green, Christian Kirk. That's where I would have him. And I have DJ Moore up with the Mike Williams, Robbie Anderson's, DD Westbrooks of the world.
Yeah, I have them kind of some. So you have just in different groupings than I do, but I have a lot of those names in the same range as Curtis Samuel. Some of them are higher than him, but kind of in that same. I'll give it Larry Fitzgerald, AJ Green. You mentioned Moncrief were all there for me. Uh, John Brown, Jarvis Landry, Sterling Shepard. He's kind of in that same range ish. All right. Next thing up, Jimmy G, Mr. Garoppolo, the, the handsome fellow himself, Jake. He threw five picks in a practice. Um, he might lose his job, according to the internet. Uh, I'm not really worried about Jimmy G. I actually kind of like how this sets up for DraftKings week one to play Jimmy Garoppolo against Tampa as a part of a big stack. Uh, I'm still in on the Niners. I'm still in on Jimmy G. Uh, could just be a bad day, or they could be trying something out. Like, these preseason reports are kind of ludicrous sometimes. Yeah, they are. And But at the same time, I will say this. I think this is good in a way for people that are drafting to temper their expectations with Jimmy Garoppolo. Just to come to where... We've been talking about it, and I think – I don't remember if you and I did, but just the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo, this offense, the wide receivers, the – like everything here is still a big question mark, all not too dissimilar from the Cardinals in the fact that we haven't seen a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback – starting let alone starting with san francisco let alone starting with san francisco with the talent that he has like we haven't seen a ton of them with kittle we haven't seen a ton of them with dante pettis debo samuel is a rookie we haven't seen him with this backfield with tevin coleman it just there's a lot here to say like oh jimmy garoppolo is a breakout candidate to be top 15 sure i mean we can say there's a lot of breakout candidates out there but this is why i wasn't very high on dante pettis and still i'm not is because I don't know who he's got the best chemistry with. I want to see Jimmy Garoppolo, a report like this. Yes, it's just practice. Yes, we shouldn't overreact to it. But it does point to the fact of let's maybe be a little bit cautious in our expectations of how good this offense could be just because it is a Shanahan offense and just because we want to project Garoppolo from backing up Tom Brady and what he looked like with the Patriots. Uh, I have him at number 16 in my quarterback rankings. I move Pedestan a little bit. I, I think the Niners are going to be all right. So, and they play in a division where the, I mean, people want to talk about the Rams defense. I still think you can get the Rams defense. I think it's going to be okay. You might take a few sacks, but I put some faith into, I like the way that he looked obviously two years ago towards the end of the season, but just Kyle Shanahan rigging something together that it could be one of these scenarios where no one besides Kittle is super fantasy relevant, but that would mean that Coleman and Garoppolo both are themselves. I think it's a worthy gamble for a guy that's basically not being drafted if that's the route you want to go. Like I said, I like Josh Allen more, so I'll end up with him. Is there anyone on the Washington Redskins you would draft? Yeah, actually, there's a, quite a few. I'm drafting Darius Geis. Uh, I know we still haven't seen much from him, but for where he's going and the talent that he has, the fact that he could be a lead running back in this office, I know Adrian Peterson's still there, but if Darius Geis is anything, if he's 95% of what he was pre-injury, Adrian Peterson's going to be similar to Carlos Hyde behind Daniel Williams. He's going to take some touches per game, but Darius guys should be in that 15 to 18 touch, not 20 plus. He's not a bell cow at this point, but that's where I'll draft him. And for the cost associated with the risk, it's baked into him at what his price is because everybody's so scared about him and rightfully so. So I'm drafting him. I'm still staying away from Jordan Reed. I don't care how good he looks, <laughs> but I think Trey Quinn is very intriguing. Uh, the Mr. Irrelevant and he's looking pretty good. And if I'm in a deeper league, I'm not doing it in your standard 12 teams, 16 or yeah, 16 man roster or, or Josh Doxton. It's his last chance. I'm just saying <laughs> there, there's a, and it, actually to be honest with you, super flex. I have a ton of Dwayne Haskins. I think Dwayne Haskins starts the majority of games. If not week one, you know, say the, the rumor was the case Keenum was going to start week one, but then Haskins goes out and throws a deep touchdown pass that blew up Twitter. Yeah, but not even- maybe all of a sudden it's going to be him. I did want to ask you about, do you have any thoughts on Preston Williams on the dolphins? Like, could yes. he be, their number one receiver potentially 
Potentially, but not as early as people. That, this, this hype recently over the past week and a half. Like, I even got somebody, one of my friends tweeted me. He was like, keep an eye on Preston Williams. It was like, somebody doesn't read my stuff. <laughs> like, just, I wasn't, but like, you're my buddy. I, I've kind of figured you would. That wasn't like everybody out there. You should read my stuff. I'm just saying it's like Preston Williams. I talked about during the draft and I've talked about since Preston Williams, if not for the off field issues, he was in my tier three of wide receivers. And I had a third, fourth round grade on him because that's his talent. It's just the off the field issue is similar to Antonio Callaway the year before with the Browns. And I actually like Preston Williams a little bit more than Antonio Callaway. The problem is he's behind Kenny Stills. He's behind Devontae Parker. He's behind Albert Wilson. If Albert Wilson is healthy. So Yes. Do those three wide receivers not shed a light on like what his talent and upside is? And he could be the number one. Absolutely. Can two of those guys get hurt because it's Devonte Parker and it is Albert Wilson? Absolutely. But you can't be drafting him as your, your 10th round pick at this point, because he's still got so much to go through and it's still the Dolphins offense. I still think Josh Rosen starts in the majority of the games. I, I would still say for me, I like Albert Wilson, the best of that bunch granted yeah. that he's cleared to play and is healthy, but I think I would probably take Williams second after that. I don't want any part of stills and I want no part of Devonte Parker. Uh, I could take Devontae Parker in the 13th round. I could. <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. dealing with a hip injury. Are you concerned? Uh, no, not at this point, just because it's similar to the other news of like the Keenan Allen. Like they're just going to keep him out and keep him healthy. But again, similar to Keenan Allen, this is somebody who has dealt with injuries more years than he hasn't. Uh, do you have any interest in Rashad Higgins as a wide receiver three, knowing that Callaway is not going to be there? Yes, and I have no problem with people in the comments going to be like, Jake always says this is what he said, and this is blah, blah, Like, I don't – how else am I supposed to word, like, this is what I said in the past? Or maybe, like, at one time there was a writing by Jake Seeley who said, like, I was a Rashad Higgins fan. And obviously, this hasn't worked out to this point. I haven't been right about Rashad Higgins to this point. There's no question about it. He hasn't looked good to this point. But he's the number three. He's number three with Antonio Callaway suspended and hurt. So you're talking about an offense. If, and I bring this up. Like, forget the fact that I, I liked Rashad Higgins. Just throw that out the window. If you're a fan of Baker Mayfield in this offense, then he's going to throw for 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns. And the Browns are going to be so explosive and so amazing. Odo Beckham. The risk we just talked about, even if Odo Beckham plays 16 games, the third wide receiver, that being Higgins, is going to be involved somewhat. If Odell misses time, guess who's starting outside? Rashad Higgins. Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me, and he's basically free at this point. Yeah, 100% free. He's not even in the first, I don't even think he's like in the first 16 or 17 rounds right now. Okay. Uh, in Pittsburgh, Dante Moncrief shaping up to be the clear cut number two. I had him and James Washington coming into training camp in the preseason about neck and neck to see who would win that job. Now that he, I don't want to say that he very clearly is the two, but that's the way that it's looking. If that's the case and he is starting on the outside opposite Juju week one, uh, I moved him up inside my top 35 at receiver. I think that's a very valuable spot to be in. No, oh, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. There's no question about it. I'm looking where for... Uh... I'm with you. Dante Moncrief, it's the number two in Pittsburgh. And that's, you're telling me if even as of today, if you said Dante, Dante Moncrief definitively is the number two, that might even be low. I mean, we were talking about the number two in the Pittsburgh offense, no matter the fact that I'm a James Conner fan or that Vance McDonald is going to break out this year, no matter what the case is, this is the Pittsburgh Steelers offense and you're going to have four valuable pieces and the number two wide receiver is going to be a wide receiver two if he is that guy. Uh, I, you know, I like James Washington. People know that. I, but at this point, I think he fits better too, is if they use him in that third 
slot rollish, big play, kind of move him around to get the opportunities. And the report so far right now that he's beating him out, but it is in the competition with Deontay Johnson, who they drafted as a rookie. So that, to me, to your point, makes it sound like he's clearly behind Dante Moncrief. So, again, Dante Moncrief, Dante Moncrief is the number two on the Steelers. It's, it's, top, it's, it's wide receiver two value. Emmanuel Sanders expects to be ready for week one with the Denver Broncos, at least in terms of being on the field and playing. I have no interest in drafting the Colonel, Manny Sanders, but his presence, if he's playing a ton of snaps, I do think that does take away from Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, if that's the case. Yeah, Deshaun Hamilton, my boy. He's uh, Look, this is what I've said all along is I love Deshaun Hamilton because he steps into the role if there is no Manuel Sanders, who I think fits better for this offense and for Joe Flacco and everything involved. And that's why if we knew Emmanuel Sanders wasn't on the field, even for like 14 games of the season, I think Deshaun Hamilton leads the team in targets and receptions. And then on top of that, potentially yards and touchdowns. I still think Cortland Sutton can do more with less receptions. But if this report is true, and even if Emmanuel Sanders isn't 100%, but he's on the field, then I'm with you. I actually did update for that. I actually have my updated projections with Emmanuel Sanders at 49 and Deshaun Hamilton at 50, and that kills me. But ahead of both of them is Cortland Sutton, because if Emmanuel Sanders is on the field, I think Cortland Sutton becomes the number one and becomes the most productive and reliable option, because I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be the Emmanuel Sanders we remember. No, neither do I, but I almost did the exact same thing in my rankings. I would still take Deshaun Hamilton over Emmanuel Sanders, just based on that upside, but I moved Cortland Sutton above both of them while moving uh, Deshaun Hamilton down a little bit. Uh, People can check out the rankings, (laughs) dkplaybook.com. Justice Hill! Here's my take is going to be the most valuable Baltimore running back there is this year. Yeah, because you hate Mark Ingram. Because he sucks. <laughs> I, uh, if you watched the game last night, it's this preseason game. Come on, that didn't change your mind. Look, the, you, you have your opinion on Mark Ingram. I am high on Mark Ingram because this is a run-heavy offense. Whether or not the playbooks change to pass more for Lamar Jackson, it's still a run-heavy offense. And Mark Ingram, unlike Justice Hill, can be the lead pounding running back as well as unlike Gus Edwards can stay on the field for the passing game. I think this is the reverse of the saints where Mark Ingram is the lead instead of Camara and justice Hill fills the Camara role, but on the short side of touches and snaps. So I like justice Hill. I disagree with you, but if you want, look, if that ended up being the scenario, it wouldn't surprise me because I do like Justice Hill, but I am on team Mark Ingram for the Ravens situation this year. That's a real bad side to come down on that. That's <laughs> a losing side. When you say you're high on Mark Ingram, it sounds like you've been doing drugs, Jake. <laughs> I got a puppy. I haven't been getting a lot of sleep. Yeah, see, that that is contributing to this awful take. Uh, Amari Cooper missed a week of practice with plantar fasciitis in his heel. That is the issue. Does that worry you at all? 100%. Because that injury only goes away with rest. Uh, we have, I know we're talking NBA when I bring this up, but Joachim Noah had this in the NBA, and he tried to play through an entire season of it and missed a game and then sat and then came out and played half a game. And I, I know it's basketball versus football, but the point being is this is an injury that you don't get surgery on. This is an injury that you don't just get shots and like everything's fine. It's, it's just some days you wake up, and you don't even notice it. My mom actually had it before. Some days, and then actually, you talked to Brad Ziegler. He's been with players that have had it before in baseball as well. It's, it's just you never know when you're going to wake up how bad it's going to be. And the days that it's bad, it's like taking a metal bearing ball with spikes on it and putting it in the bottom of your shoe and stepping on it constantly. Like you just can't even walk on it. So that's my concern. Now, if the rest from now until the beginning of the season, maybe it's light plantar fasciitis. I don't even know like how to describe that or what grade it might be but that it's pretty much gone by week one, 
then I feel better. But this has to be something in the back of your mind, especially with as inconsistent as Amari Cooper was. I mentioned this before and said that Amari Cooper was better with the, with the Cowboys, but he was still the same Amari Cooper because two of his games, the two touchdown and three touchdown games, you total those two games together, were more than the other five games he played with the Cowboys combined points-wise. The only thing for me that I'm thinking about is like when you talk about like what it feels like in the treatment for it, it's rest and like take a golf ball and put it on the bottom of your foot and like move it around for four hours. Oh. That, that That's basically the treatment. Uh, and that's, that's painful. If anybody's ever done, just go, go do that. Just go do that on your free time and see how that feels. And then imagine the fact that you've got pain in your foot on top of it. Cause that already does not feel good. I've done it before. All right. So this, this category, I have Peyton Barber versus Ron Jones. Uh, I think that Peyton Barber continues to be like a guy to take in the 12th round. If you need running, like just had to have a running back on your team. Like Maybe he sucked last year because, you know, the team was not that great. Now with Bruce Arians, maybe there's more running lanes for him, but it does seem like it's his job. Uh, it seems that way, but if, if you draft Peyton Barber and he wins the job, you still lose. It's just, it's like, if you're taking him the 12th round to what you said, just to have a running back, okay, fine. That that's that, You know what? Maybe he's your RB4 and you plug him in for some matchups. You plug him in when you have, maybe both your running backs have the same bye week uh, because unfortunately, as mentioned, the Chiefs and the, the Chargers both have week 12 and that's way off in the distance. But point being, maybe two of your running backs have the same bye week. As your RB4, I don't care. I'm drafting Ronald Jones just because if Ron, he happens Ron, to... Ronald Jones is the new Mark Ingram. He fucking stinks. Look, I know he hasn't looked good. It's still We haven't seen their week two game yet. My point being, if he wins the job, he has upside as an RB2. Peyton Barber winning the job is still at best a mid RB3. No, and we, we, we don't know that. Uh, if this offense, if, it, if this offense is, if this offense is, is as good as people project it to be with all these pass catchers, if they can just get down the field. Like if Peyton Barber has this job and things break right for him, he could score double digit touchdowns yeah. just being the goal. No, back. He needs, no, he needs 65% of the snaps or more for that to happen because he's just that like, you talk about Mark Ingram, Peyton Barber is not good. He is the mix of Kalen Balaj not knowing how to be a running back to the mix of, I don't know, who's somebody that's just Paul Perkins. Just No, Paul Perkins is actually somewhat athletic. I don't know, an unathletic running back who doesn't know how to play the position. Yeah, except for one, you get it three times the value in terms of draft capital. And Peyton Barber, yeah, maybe he's okay in the twelfth okay round. Maybe he is Mark but Ingram, a, but you know, he could be, maybe Peyton Barber outscores Mark Ingram this year. What do you think about that? Maybe not just as Hill, but Mark Ingram. Uh, we'll definitely put money on that one. Okay, boy. I mean, I would probably need to have odds on that now since you're so confident. Uh, I'll give you odds. I'll give you five to one. You give me five to one. Peyton Barber outscores Mark Ingram this year. Yeah. All right. Let's put twenty bucks on. You owe me a hundred if that happens. <laughs> How much money do you think I make? I don't know. A lot. Uh, you know what? I think you make a lot more than you put on. <laughs> no, I really don't. I mean, I'm maybe if like I get a new contract with the athletic, so like we'll put a, how, we'll just put, I usually do dollar bets on my show. So we'll do $5. How about that? All right. So you owe me uh, 25. If they 25. Win. All right. Yeah. Uh, I can do that. I'll use the 25 bucks for something nice. I'll donate it to charity once <laughs> my main man, Peyton Barber comes through. Uh, Geis versus Adrian Peterson. I know you like Geis, but Adrian Peterson's still on this team for some reason. I, I mean, you probably don't want either one of them, but AP could definitely outscore no. guys. Oh, absolutely. The funny thing is, as much as I like drafting guys, I've been ending up with both of them. And I don't have a problem taking both of them because Adrian Peterson, I thought he'd be going, well, at least a month ago, he seemed to be going earlier. Now, in the drafts that I've been getting him, is he's like, he's still there in the 10th or 11th round. And I'm like, all right, fine, I'll take Adrian Peterson because if guys isn't healthy, if guys isn't even on the field, 
we know Adrian Peterson could at least be my better than Peyton Barber. So I don't get like, I don't understand what happened in the last month where people went from, Oh, let's draft Adrian Peterson in the seventh, eighth round to all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we don't even want Adrian Peterson because I was a huge fan of guys and I was the one campaigning for him. And then people still didn't really want him. And now it just seems like maybe it's what your question was before. I think maybe just people are off on the Redskins altogether. Yeah. I think that's exactly what the case is going to be. And frankly, I can't blame them. Do you believe this statement from Seahawks camp? Chris Carson is going to get 50 targets. Cause if that's the case, this is fantastic news for me and all my Chris Carson shares. So I don't believe it, but I don't have them that far off. I have them in the mid to high thirties for targets. All that being said is that's all it takes to put Chris Carson at RB 15 for me. The biggest question with Chris Carson is not Rashad Penny, which people know I love Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny can be involved. There's a lot of vacated touches from Mike Davis being gone, from the injuries and the backups behind those guys to uh, you know, Tyler Lockett is now their number one with no Doug Baldwin. Uh, the tight end position is still a question mark. There's touches here, and there's touches here for the only team that was over 50% in the league rushing the ball last year, 52% of the time. The only team to be on the opposite side, which is just crazy to think of this day and age in the football. But this backfield, there's enough for both to be involved where Chris Carson, the only question at this point is health. If Chris Carson plays 15 games, RB15 actually might be a low spot. Yeah, like we discussed this before that I think that Chris Carson is essentially discount Derrick Henry, who might actually be even better because in my rankings, as people will find out, that I have Chris Carson higher than Derrick Henry. I actually have him on that same tier as Fournette and Montgomery and Coleman, James White and Devonta Freeman. I think that he's actually a very good fantasy running back and still one that comes at a substantial discount versus the rest of these guys. 100% with you. Thumbs up, thumbs up, smiley emoji. Yeah. All right. Last one. I saw that Brad Evans and Matt Harmon were having a debate about David Montgomery. Living rooms, bedrooms, dinettes. We got it. You need it. You'll find it. It's just like, it's just like a minimal. Hey, hey. And Josh Jacobs. Uh, I'm firmly on the camp of Team Josh Jacobs here. I don't think it's... I yes. mean, it, it can be very close, but I think if they hit their optimal scenarios, like Josh Jacobs could be in the... Like, if we talk about this next year, Montgomery could be in that mix where, like, Delvin Cook is this year. We could be talking about Josh Jacobs if he is the true workhorse as a potential top five pick. 100% agree with you. You know this. We, we talked about it on your last show, and people know this by now. Josh Jacobs is going to, in my opinion near 300 touches and i love what they brought up if you watched the game last night the broadcast brought it up which is what i've been saying a long time and i know i just said what i've been saying a long time but i just i keep hammering the point home and i just i'm saying that to beat the dead horse or whatever because i want it to be ingrained into people's heads is they brought up the what i said about cadillac williams the last time john gruden has had bell cows or quote unquote bell cows he's given ernest graham 220 carries in 10 games 10 starting games more games than that but Ernest Grant, Tyrone Wheatley had over 200 carries back-to-back seasons. Cadillac Williams was the only other running back they drafted in the first round. Got 290 carries in 14 games in his first season. Might be a little bit of different NFL, but Josh Gruden or John Gruden is going to go to Josh Jacobs 300 times this season, and that alone puts him in RB1 territory, even if you have questions of this offense, which the offense looked pretty good at times last night so i know it's only preseason but the ravens defense is also supposed to be one of the better units and a lot of the starters were out there and they're playing vanilla-ish preseason offenses josh jacobs look good josh jacobs should be on this tier i'm with you i'm very high on david montgomery too i have him as a clear rb2 mid-level rb2 but he has mike davis 
probably gets a few touches. Tariq Cohen's still going to be the main option in the passing game, and Tariq Cohen should be used more than Jalen Rashard. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I don't think you go out and spend this kind of draft capital on a first-round running back to be like, you know what, anti-vaxxer Jalen Richard is the guy that we want on the field. I'm telling you, it might be a savvy move, though. He says he's not vaccinated, and he's not going to vaccinate his kids. You give him the ball, and all of a sudden, no one wants to go, like, tackle him or anything. Like, good God, you might have the measles, man. Like, I can't be bringing this shit home with me. So maybe that's a real strategic move for Rocket Richard. I don't know. The biggest thing in the rankings updates that I did. Sorry, we're plowing through this. I know you got a time constraint. Jamison Cam, I moved up to that tier. Luck, I moved down. Deshaun Hamilton, I moved down with Emmanuel Sanders, moved Sutton ahead of them. Uh, Preston Wilson, Preston Williams, I actually put in. Preston Wilson would strike out eight times a game. That's who he is. <laughs> Chris Carson and Tevin Coleman, I moved up in the running back rankings. Dante Moncrief, I moved up. And I did move Jamison Cratter and Quincy, little Quincy, Anunwa, up in my wide receiver rankings. Not like substantially where they're, like, they're must draft guys but it does seem pretty clear with Darnold on the field, the sets that they're going to play, they're going to play this 11 offense, and you're going to have Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, Quincy Anunwa, and Chris Herndon on the field at all times with him. Yeah, I've been a big fan of drafting Jameson Crowder this year. Somebody who could easily get towards 100 targets, or 100 targets, 100 receptions, maybe 90, even a floor of like 80, I think is doable. But to the point of, I, like, I like to look at strength of opponent over strength of schedule. Like strength of schedule just throw out the window. It means nothing. Defenses mean nothing year to year. Defenses mean nothing within the year. The Saints went from, oh my God, exploit the living hell out of them to avoid them at all costs. The one season where everybody was drafting Atlanta players, even fringy Atlanta players, because look, week 14 and 16, they get the Saints. And then all of a sudden the Saints were one of the best defenses at that point. But strength of opponent matters. And strength of opponent is what I say is like positional matchups. And Mike Clay put this in one of his columns, or I think a week or two ago, Robbie Anderson has the worst slate of facing corners this year. Now, all those corners have to stay healthy and everything has to stay the same as is. And that's why you don't put too much. You basically break ties with this kind of information. But Robbie Anderson has an awful corner schedule. And if so, if Robbie Anderson has inconsistency, only sees four or five targets a game, Jameson Crowder, and to your point, Quincy Nunez, those are going to be the guys that step up. And that's why I'm still stashing Chris Herndon, even for waiting for those first four weeks. Yeah, I think it depends on the league that you play in with Chris Herndon. I like Chris Herndon as well. I liked him last year. The Silver Spooner, Chris Herndon the fourth. Sounds like someone who owns like three yachts. But if he's going to miss the first four weeks of the season, you don't need to draft him and stash a mid-level tight end. You can pick him up in week three. You know who started all the stupid fourth and thirds and like I said, we just used to only have juniors until freaking Titus Young started this. Well, he was Titus Young Sonor. No, I thought no, I thought Titus Young was the fifth. No, Titus, no, that was Will Fuller. Will Fuller V. Will Fuller's the fifth. Yeah, that's right. Titus Young started with a senior, yeah. And yeah. then Steve Smith did it. That's right. Now you now now they all do it. So who Steve Smith doesn't even have a son named Steve. Is that true? Yeah. Just craziness. Um, let's see here. Late round guys that you like. Let's uh, for the people out there that if you're looking for 14th, 15th, 16th round picks. Again, I will stress this. Um, you don't need to fill oh, out. Wait, he does. You don't. You don't <laughs> need to fill out your entire team. Uh, you shouldn't draft a kicker because I know you don't want kickers. I don't have kickers in my league. Most leagues do have kickers. Don't draft a kicker. Don't draft a defense. It's still the preseason. Fill up your roster with two extra guys and just cut them before the year starts if that's the case. If nothing else, you mitigate against injuries. If something like Herndon, you can draft Herndon right now, and if you have to let him loose before the beginning of the season, you can do that. That's not a problem. And the other people out there will be like, you need to fill out your entire team. You people are fucking morons. 
Get it together. It's like using kickers is bad enough. Using that sort of it. Oh, you can't leave the draft without a full team. Not true. You don't need to do that at all. All right. So Jake, give me some late round guys. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I mean, you just pulled it to me off the top of my head, but I'll give you the first one is I've talked about it and said that I'm so glad that the touchdown got called back last week. And then last night, didn't actually see as much of an impact. So it's good that his value still has not out there for everybody that's paying attention. But Miles Boykin, because Marquise Brown is still not on the field. Marquise Brown is still a question for week one. Marquise Brown might be a question for half the season. And hey, if hey, you're talking he, about- he, he did look good at practice this week. Yeah, exactly. At practice, he still hasn't got on the field. Like, let's talk about it once he's on the field and actually playing in a game. But even if he's out there by week one, like, even if Marquise Brown was playing 16 games, I was still on the Miles Boykin because who has the talent to be the number one weapon in the receiving game is Miles Boykin because of his size ability. Now, he does make some poor, he's kind of like the James Winston of wide receivers. He's got everything you want, but he makes some poor decisions sometimes. Actually, if you watched the game last night, Lamar Jackson was waiting for him to come back and wait for him to come back and wait for him to come back and then threw the ball towards him anyway. And Boykin just never made the adjustment to come back because he's still, that's one area he needs to work on. But he has everything he has to be to an NFL number one wide receiver with Marquise Brown could just be all over the field, a weapon anywhere you look, but he's not the number one guy that you go to, especially in the red zone. So Miles Boykin is somebody that I'm looking at. Uh, we've mentioned quite a few. I, essentially, who did I send you that we haven't talked about yet? I feel like I sent like we've talked about everybody. Well, you, you, you wrote down Singletary. I assume that's Devin, not Mike. Oh, yeah, so, no, yeah. So Devin Singletary, yes, 100 percent, just because LaShawn McCoy like even if he like it looks like he's going to be on the team at this point but even if he is i think at some point singletary talent wise can push everybody else aside i don't think it's going to be 60 percent of the touches but he's somebody that i'm stashing late round a dexter williams i was on was i'm not as on as anymore because he did have two ball control issues and i can tell you right now that's the worst thing for a rookie to do no matter the fact that he should supplant jamal williams who hasn't actually been on the field because of injuries himself and there's actually a huge chasm behind Aaron Jones of all these people getting hurt and nobody's stepping up. I like Dexter Williams, but he's got to hold on to the ball. Otherwise, Aaron Jones might get 20-plus touches a game despite the fact he really shouldn't be handling that many just because they don't have any other choice. So Gaskin, uh, we'll talk about the Dolphins. If we find out that Drake does miss multiple games, I will stash Gaskin just because I think that he might get some touches per game. He's the one that the Dolphins drafted. Debo Samuel. We talked, see, that's what I feel like. We talked about Debo Samuel. We talked about Travis Benjamin. We talked about Higgins. We talked about Preston Williams. So the only wide receiver I sent you that we didn't talk about is DJ Chark, just because similar to Boykin, I think he has the talent to be the number one wide receiver and kind of push DD Westbrook into that number two role, but just as a number two role as an NFL role. Chark attack. I like, this, I, I, I like this. I like this Jags offense. Obviously, I like DD way more. I do think that oh, Jeff. hundred percent. I do think that Jeff Swaim is actually like an okay tight end. Uh, not that you would want to start, but someone just keep on your radar. Maybe DraftKings purposes and Chark is going to be their deep threat. He's better than Keelan Cole. Like we know the speed that he has. Now he has a quarterback that might be able to you know complete a pass to him. That sounds pretty good. Final guy I wanted to talk about because I forgot about this during the Jets talk. I don't want to make this Jets talk radio because we have Cuss coming up for the win total show very, very soon. But is Ty Montgomery anything to you? Mm, he's a maybe a PPR late, late round flyer just for the heck of it. Also do, do, because- does, does he do enough to hurt Le'Veon Bell, I guess, is the better question. No. No, I don't think so at all. I don't, I, I don't care about Adam Gase didn't want to pay that money and blah, 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 whatever. Le'Veon Bell is Le'Veon Bell. If Adam Gase wants to be fired in one season, 
then he doesn't give Le'Veon Bell 70, 75, 80% of the snaps. Then you're, you're going to be gone really, very quick. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is not – I have no concerns. Like I said, I would take Le'Veon Bell today over David Johnson. Uh, I wouldn't. I have number five, James Conner, number six, Joe Mixon, and then David Johnson, and then Chubb, and then Bell, and then Cook. I think that those guys are all very close. Right. It's just similar to a question somebody asked me and said, can I take Chubb fifth? And I said, look, anybody from running back five. Uh, and, about running- and also, you can do whatever you want. It's your fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, but I think you'll agree with the point being anybody is this is like when we did your tier show anybody from five to what is it about 11 12 somewhere around there it, any of those guys can finish number five. Yeah, and it's all personal preference at that point whoever you like the best just take that guy don't let anyone talk you out of a guy that you like that's crazy. I really want this answer. I'm trying to find out if Steve Smith did it because it's somebody in the NFL had senior who didn't have a son named Junior and I, I don't know if it was Steve Smith or not now that you ask. I see. That's fantastic. You work on that uh, for the next time. We'll be talking very soon. Until then, where can everyone find your work? At the athletic dot com slash all in sports. You get the 40 percent off if you haven't signed up for it. Uh, The all in sports podcast is still free on iTunes and all those other places, just like you are. And then there's the unsealed podcast, which is going to have a name change soon on the athletic, as well as we're going to have a ranking show with Brandon Funston that I'm going to be doing during the regular season. Sounds fun. Fun with Funston and Sealy. There's the name of your show. Uh, for me, I told you about all the draws that you can get to, but if you're concerned about preseason daily fantasy, you want to get into college football or college football betting or sports betting or just get up on DraftKings, especially because Colin Drew has an amazing article up for Showdown Slate. He's won nine of them over the past year for football. So you might want to see what he has to say. That Daily Roto has actually given me a promo code for the viewers and listeners out there. If you use the PME at the Daily Roto store, is put that in for any sort of subscription you'll get 10% off any one of them any sport any package that you want highly recommended I'm a member at Daily Roto uh, and their tools have really helped me be successful in winning money both on gambling and daily fantasy especially on DraftKings so I recommend everyone go check that out the PME at DailyRoto.com get yourself 10% off other than that sub to the show like the show you know what to do I'm Pat Mayo have fun if you're drafting this weekend if not You're sensible and doing it two weeks from now, three weeks from now, the way that we're doing it. But hey, I'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.